How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to We're Watching Star Trek, the original series. I am Brandon Fought, and with me today is the legendary Super Saiyan, Dan. How's it going? And, of course, we have the Ginyu Forces choreographer, Paul. Whoa! Yo, yo, what's up, Fib? I'm here. Let's do it. And we are watching Star Trek The Original Series, Season 1, Episode 2, entitled Charlie X. We're watching on Amazon Video. The original air date for this episode was September 15th, 1966, and it opens with a captain's log. Stardate 1533.6. The Enterprise is maneuvering to come alongside a cargo vessel called the Antares. Uh, the Antares is beaming over what they say is an unusual passenger. And right away, I'm just wondering, how do star dates work? Do you guys have any idea? No, I got a better question than star date from episode one. I'm mean, for the first moment. What is up with Kirk's shirt, bro? Yeah. yeah. What is up the, with that the green, green shirt with the gold the green trim? shirt with the gold trim. I mean, I thought, like, from the moment the, from the moment I looked at it, I was like, yo, this is, like, I hate it, but I love it. But, like, could I wear it? Like, I just, it's just, oh, my God, the clothes in this, this show. The clothes, man. The yeah. Uh, it's It seems like a super casual shirt, but at the same time, it's, like, kind of fancy. For, yeah, I think it, maybe it's the casual formal for them. I don't really, I don't get it. And then the color, too. I just, that puke green. Yeah. It reminded me of I Christmas. Just, I'm like, why do you have a Christmas shirt on? <laughs> That's a good point. But back, back to the star date, I have no idea how star dates work. I never even looked up or, or researched it. Yeah. I have, I have no, like, I have no idea at all. I went back because I was curious to see, like, how long this takes place after the last episode. And I, I just, I can't figure them out. Like, according to the star date, you know, it went up. But how many days does that denote? Yeah, but, I'm not sure. I'm, I, maybe they use, like, a speed of light or something to dictate terms. I, I can imagine being out in space. The idea of time is different. I mean, maybe like, maybe, or or they or they're like thousand or they're like thousand thousand years in the future of us. So they're like on. So we're in two thousand right now. Maybe they're fifteen thousand. Well, I don't I, really. And I guess the other thing for me is like, how do they measure a day? Because I have to assume they're not within the orbit of our Earth's sun anymore. So they're not. You know, they don't have a twenty-four hour day. So like, how do they measure their time span? I wonder if they wouldn't keep the twenty-four hours. 24 hour cycle just because that's what you know yeah they must be just like messed up all the time like constantly coming within you know the light radius of different suns and then leaving at different times like their sleep schedule just must be absolute trash (laughs) (laughs) i never thought about that you wrote it up one time i never thought about how crazy it would be to be somewhere where it's night one day in the day and you you go near the new suns it's it's bright outside and it's dark i never even want to say that and they probably don't even notice now i'm thinking about it because there's no windows on that ship so uh, so three men and a bag beam aboard, aboard the Enterprise, uh, Captain Ramart, his navigator Tom Nellis, and Charlie Evans. Uh, they're greeted by Captain Kirk, and Charlie doesn't seem to understand what a handshake is when Kirk goes to shake his hand. He's kind of like, you know, what the hell are you doing? I find that weird, by the way. I find that super weird because, like, if you've been on the planet all these people this whole time, which I'm assuming he had been, n- nobody ever shook your hand the whole time you were with them? Yeah, he was at least, you know, on board the Antares with the other people. But apparently, yeah, nobody. But for how long? Yeah, but if, even a day, though, like the first time you meet somebody, the first five seconds, ten seconds, you know, me do the handshake, like the greeting. Like, so it even was there for a couple hours. Like, hey, we just picked this, we found this kid in a deserted, you know, deserted boat or something. We picked them up. I shake, hey, how you doing? I'm Paul. Shake your hand immediately. Yeah. 
And so at this point, uh, Captain Kirk, you know, starts talking to Charlie, welcoming him aboard the Enterprise. And Charlie just kind of, you know, stares at him, which prompts this kind of weird uh, exchange of looks between Kirk and the other two people from the Antares. Um, and then Charlie's eyes start to roll in the back of his head, like the undertaker. Yeah. And he, he gets like startled <laughs> out of it when, uh, when Ramart starts talking and Ramart and Nellis uh, just start like oddly talking up Charlie in like a super suspicious way as Charlie goes to grab his bag. They're like, Oh, you know, he's great. He's been perfect. Like, like he's a kid. I mean, I, I, I know he is a kid, but like he's, like, yeah, I know he's just been the sweetest little thing. Said no yeah. one for a teenager. I, I honestly expected an alien female when they, when they when they're coming in. I expected to be some attractive female coming out the uh, thing. I just when it was a uh, when it was a boy, I was like, oh, that's a boy. Like I read the idea was supposed to be a boy show, but my brain said, oh, there's gonna be some chick with some alien chick doing more or alien chick things because that's in the, every alien that's evil to them seems to be girls. So I just I, I do want some more of that. More <laughs> evil alien chicks. Yes, uh, I noticed. Um, <laughs> The the cur his mascara is like a uh, is thick. Yeah. Like I don't think he, yeah, the mascara is hella thick on his eyes. And then I, I noticed the music, uh there's that little um they did an old school uh music change for the season of the Spence. You know, where when something clever happens, they, they do it in the episode where something happens they want you to pay attention to, they they change the music to this different kind of music. So you're like, Oh, the music has changed, I need to pay attention, and then something happens. Yeah, they do a lot in this show to let you know that something is happening. Like if you don't catch it visually, you'll catch, you mm-hmm. know, the change in music or whatever weird sound yep. effect they throw in. Like they don't really give you a chance to kind of figure anything out for yourself. They just throw it at you all at once. Yep. They just pretty much just give you the whole music change and all of a sudden you're like, Oh, something's going on. Let me pay let me pay real close attention to what's going on. Yeah. So uh Ramart starts talking to Captain Kirk about how Charlie had spent almost his entire life alone on you know, the planet they picked him up from. Uh, everybody was killed, and he had just a few micro tapes to learn how to speak and all that. And uh, so Charlie kind of steps in and interrupts him. He's like, "Oh, you know, how many humans like me are on this ship?" And Ramart and Nellis just instantly just kind of shut up. Uh, and Ramart's like, "Oh, you know, hey, there's there's like basically like a whole city. There's over 400 people here." And Kirk's like, "Well, you know, we have 428 to be exact, which is a really weird thing to to throw out, it's like the exact number of people." Well, he should know how many is on a ship, though. Right, but like, do you have to be that specific about it? Uh, maybe they ain't all about it. You see, that, that, yeah, it's a it's a specificity. Wow, big word. That that's kind of weird. It's like, you know, oh, 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 I work with about 300 people. No, I work with 338 people. Like, you got to, like, clarify, like, why does it? It's about 300, right? Like, you don't have to specify the exact number. I get it. Yeah, like, Ramart's like, oh, yeah, they got over 400 people. And he's like, well, you have 428. Okay, yeah, that's still over 400. He was right. Just leave him alone. Yeah. Uh, so Char- Charlie gets uh, excited about the number of humans uh, like him on the ship. And he's like, oh, that's exciting. Is exciting the right word? And Ramart and Nell are so like, yeah, that's totally the right word. Yeah. And they seem, to me at least, they seem like they were kind of scared of Charlie at this point. Um, mm-hmm. So it turns out that Charlie's relatives, or his closest relatives, are on Colony 5, and the Enterprise, the Enterprise is passing by there, which is why they're you know taking him along. Uh, so Kirk and Ramart are having a conversation, and Charlie interrupts, and he's like, oh, you know, I'd like to go see the, the ship and all of its people. And Kirk gets a little bit upset and tells him that interrupting is considered wrong. And, you know, Charlie apologizes for that. 
so the crew of the Antares is getting ready to leave. Captain Kirk offers them some supplies and they decline and, and like immediately get back on the transporter like they're just ready to get out of there. <laughs> <laughs> like we're done with this weird ass kid rolling his eyes back. Yep. Uh, Charlie kind of takes a step backwards towards the door uh, and it, you know, it opens up and, and startles him. And then uh, Janice enters the door, which is, I didn't know. We, I didn't think we'd be seeing her again so soon. I thought she would just, I thought she'd be a main character because she had a name, but I didn't think she would be like an every episode character. Yeah. Um, so the Antares crew are being back to their ship as a uh, yeoman Rand, which is Janice. That's Janice Rand. Apparently uh, it's introduced to Charlie and Captain Kirk asks her to show Charlie to his quarters and drop his records off at Dr. McCoy's office. Uh, Charlie gets super confused and he's like, oh, is is this a girl? Because apparently there weren't any on the Antares ship. Like, I, I get that he had crashed, like his, his ship had crashed and he was all alone forever, you know, but there are no females aboard the, aboard the Antares. That was my another thing. I was like, there's no chicks on here. OK, part one. So the first season of part one, like oh, there's other females, whatever. Is that a girl? Part two. Her hair still bothers yeah, me. And not, only the, not, does it, not does it hair to bother me this time, but I realized it's actually woven like when the uh, weave baskets, like I, the old school wick, wicker baskets. Yeah, I was that's wondering how, if it how, was fake. I was like, is that, dude, is that, that a wig? Yeah, dude, I, I never noticed like exactly how it's made. If you look really close, it's, it's sort of weaved together like when the weave baskets. I, maybe has, has, maybe she takes it off and it. holds like fruit in there. It, it doesn't look good. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> Like, 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 she wouldn't want to say her stuff. It sucks the whole time. So it is what it is. So we're going to see it a lot. So it's going to be terrible every episode. Yeah. When I was looking and I was wondering if that was fake hair, then I, I caught myself looking at Charlie's hair and his hair just looks like super dry. So apparently they just didn't have anything for conditioner in the 70s or at least maybe. <laughs> I was going to say there's no conditioner on the planet he was on. Or just maybe, you know, there's no conditioner at all at that time. And they just said, screw it. You know, our natural, natural dried weird hair is what we like. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Uh, so, yeah. so Kirk smiles at Charlie, and he's like, "Yeah, you know, that's a girl." And then we get the show's opening, which I still really enjoy the theme, and I could probably, I'll probably like the theme every time I hear it. But I did notice that the opening was a lot shorter this time than it was on the first episode. Was it? Yeah, uh, they they really cut it down. Uh, not so many shots of the ship flying, and not so many, um, you know, cards explaining who's playing what character. They were pretty much just like. Here's Kirk. Here's Spock. This is Star Trek. Have fun. Oh, I didn't notice that. I didn't notice that I watched the whole intro. Like I, I was gonna skip it because I had a skip button on my on my uh, the computer when I watched it. I was like, you know what? I'll just watch it again. Like no matter skip intros, but th- I was like, I'll just watch it. Like I just I enjoy, I enjoy. I ended up skipping it. Oh, you skipped it? Yeah, I, I I didn't think there'd be any changes to it, so figured I'd just jump right into the episode. I'll probably just sit through it just because well, it's short. Watch it those because I'm stuck on the it's five year mission. It's stuck in my head, and I'm and I'm holding that to kind of clarify how long time has passed. And my so I'm trying to that five year. Oh, he has five years. So I, I got to imagine. Okay, it's each episode a month later. Is it a week later? Is it a year later? Is it you know? So I'm kind of like trying to. So that's what I'm trying to figure out time in my head by remember it's a five year mission. Yeah. Uh. So. We get uh, another captain's log coming back from the uh, opening, and the star date is now fifteen thirty three point seven. Which again, how the hell does a star date work? And it makes me think that since the only one that changed was the one after the decimal, maybe that denotes the hour. Which I don't know why I'm so hung up on it. I just I, I just don't understand Ooh. how their date thing works. The, okay, I, I like that. That denotes the hour. I like that. I'm I'm gonna go with that. It makes sense to me. 
So Dr. McCoy has Charlie in his uh, office and he's got him doing some really weird physical tests where he's like almost pedaling a bicycle, but he's not like he's, he's laying on his back, just pushing on these weird pads that are showing things that shouldn't have anything to do with that on a screen. Um, and Kirk is still, you know, narrating his log and he talks about how Charlie was a lone survivor as a, of a transport crash that occurred 14 years ago. And he was three years old and survived on his own, which, you know, I'm not great at math, but I, I figured that would put him around uh, 17. So McCoy starts questioning Charlie about what he ate after the crash. He's like, you know, the, the food storage would have only lasted so long. And, and Charlie says that after the food supply ran out, he found some things growing outside that he could eat. And that he learned to talk through microtapes and using the ship's memory bank, which he could actually have a conversation with because it would uh, talk back to him. And then he passes his physical tests and he's in, you know, perfect physical condition. And so Charlie asks a few questions about Captain Kirk. He asks if McCoy. So he asks Dr. McCoy, he's like, do you like me? You know, he starts talking about how he just really wants everybody to like him. And he seems really, uh, really hung up on that. And he's like, well, you know, I, I really tried to make everybody like me. Which is kind of weird for a teenager to care about if people like them or not. Normally that goes against what teenagers are are like. Actually, that's goes what teenagers are are exactly when you're growing up. You want you want people to like well, you. Well, not, not so much adults, I would say. Or at least it was, that wasn't my case. Oh, uh, see, my other issue with the whole scene is the fact that he was doing the wall stairs. That just I couldn't get out. I couldn't get over it. I couldn't get over the wall stairs. I'm like, what is this? Like, what is it? Like, I kept looking and I was like, wall stairs. Like, I guess. Yeah, and it was measuring some stuff that just had nothing to do with any of that. Like, is his pulse oxygen and stuff? They, like, how were you they getting have a, that? They have, um, they have a lot of times they're doing this weird things that don't make any sense, and he fucking just let it go. And my brain immediately focuses on the one thing I'm supposed to let go. And when I see people pumping wall stairs, my mind goes, "Yo, what is going on? Like, that just doesn't look right." You could have put him in any kind of exercise ever that we have that's realistic that you could take make realistic and make it more, you know, m- more spacey. But you have he doing wall stairs like. Oh, wall stairs. I, I, I'm just so McCoy responds that it's you know pretty natural for a 17 year old to want everybody to like him. So it turns out I can actually do math, which is absolutely fantastic. <laughs> uh, so Charlie is 17. Uh, Charlie wanders around the ship for a little bit. He's just kind of observing people performing various tasks. You know, maintenance men. You know, people just wandering around doing things. And he sees uh, these maintenance guys. I assume they're maintenance guys. One of them asks the other guy to do something for him. He's like, yeah, you know, I got it. And then just, you know, slaps the guy on the ass, which I I don't know about you guys, but like outside of sports, I've never seen that happen. And I've personally never done that. Like, you know, obviously I know the two of you personally and I'm like, hey, you know, can you go grab that thing for me? And then you're like, yeah. And then I just smack you on the ass like. Well, see, I, I feel like that's not going to fly. I don't know how it was. In the, in you the can 60s, only do it during but. sports. Right, that's what I thought too. Yeah, I didn't think like just smacking each other's ass is just a regular way of like, oh yeah, thanks, bro. And, and if you don't see, and if you don't say good game, it makes it really weird. <laughs> Stupid because. Uh, yeah, so, uh, if you guys don't know, we all know each other in real life. We're friends. We hang out together. We work. We have work together. So you know, if I see you do a good job, I might have to smack you like good job. But it just it's uncomfortable. And I know still smack people that unless you're playing sports, like. I don't get it. Yeah, if you use that as kind of like I, a thanks, um, I think we're just done with the podcast probably because <laughs> it's awkward. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't like it. <laughs> hey, what's up, bro? How you doing? Turn around and smack you. Just say, have a good day, bro. Yeah. Um, 
maybe what maybe I'll just start doing that at the end of every workday. Just just come right in. Just say great job today. Good job, guys. Just hit everybody on their way out. No. Oh my god, no. That'd be hilarious. I would die laughing. So Charlie runs into Janice in the hall. Well, she she walks by him and he starts like smelling. Like he obviously notices how she smells. And so he follows her and he just gives her this gift that he got out of nowhere. And it just happens to be her favorite type of perfume. She's, you know, obviously mm. very curious. So she's like, where did you get this? You know, there isn't any aboard the ship. And he's like, well, you know, it's a gift. I can't tell you where it came from. And she's, you know, she just kind of blows him off. It's kind of weird. She's like, well, you know, I'm on duty and I have to go. And he's like, oh, you know, stay, hang out, whatever, you know, really creepy guy stuff. So she's like, well, you know, I, I get off duty later and I'll, you can meet me in recreation room six, deck three. So as he as she turns to leave, Charlie's like, "Yeah, you've got a deal," and smacks her on the ass. <laughs> that's, that's how we do. It. That's, that's how we do it. Well, my thing about the the gift thing, though, by the way, uh, gift thing is, um, does that mean he can read minds? That's the way I took it. Be, but hold on, because once again, we're di- see. I, I'm having an issue with this show. For the last couple episodes, it's like I get the so I'm about to go on a, a tangent real quick, guys, and. Give me a minute. So I get the idea of alien species out here, right? I get it. But they all can't have godlike powers, and they all can't read minds. Like, for generally, the last three, like, it's, it's kind of in the same wheelhouse. And, like, I really want them to expand and do something original. Because for every episode has been this uh, godlike character who has godlike powers doing godlike, you know, godlike things. And it just, I, and so once again, he can, re, I'm assuming he can read minds, which he didn't do anybody else. He did like, you know, so it's like, I don't, I don't it just, just kind of bothered me. Once he did that thing, it kind of bothered me because I realized his power is almost the same as the last episode with last characters or whatever. And it's not anything new and original or, or thought out. My bad. Yeah. So, this re- whole thing this. for me, it, yeah, I kind of, I kind of noticed that, you know, right away. And, and I wanted to hope that that wasn't what was going on like you know maybe he ran to a store super quick and found one that <laughs> he smelled all the perfumes in a half second and yeah. used the money that he doesn't have to buy them for but he, that's not what happened here and also I, like yeah. can he conjure things too like is that can, he can conjure things like that is power right he can conjure things and read minds like it's just and I, I know i'm getting getting on a rant about the whole power things but i'm like i don't know they all all species can't be this elite type thing like major, you know, I don't know because if aliens met us, I would be like, oh, these these guys are weak weaklings. Like if they're and they didn't really give too much away right here, so I kind of just blew it off in the beginning. Like when this first started happening, yes, yes yeah, and was was just kind of hopeful that that's not the case. Yeah, I'm not sure, but I just one of those things. But we get uh, Janice calls him back to reprimand him about the whole ass slap thing, and he he's pretty confused about it. She's like, oh, you know, it's fine, just don't let it happen again. But you should talk to Kirk or McCoy and they can or McCoy and they can explain to you why that's not okay. Or just literally any of the other men on the ship, I think would have been fine as well. Yeah. But <laughs> on the on the bridge, uh Dr. McCoy and Mr. Spock are talking about Thasians with absolutely no explanation for what that is. And Kirk starts to talk about how he's got a training program being made for Charlie to teach him about things like Earth Earth history. And he wants uh Bones to teach Charlie about, you know, he doesn't specifically say it, but he alludes to, you know, teach him about puberty and, and sex and all that stuff. 
Uh, McCoy's like, well, you know, you're you're more the father figure, so I think that should be your your thing. And Kirk gets kind of like unreasonably upset. Like he's kind of joking, but he doesn't look like he's joking. And he's just like, no, you're you're doing that. Yeah, he he got he got to put down the the captain. He put on the captain's hat for a minute. Like, yeah, bro, I got like like I know we I know we were kind of both involved in this, but hey, Bones, do what I tell you to do. Like, I, I, like I get it, like, you know. It's a it's Kirk's a got more important things like, to worry like about. You, you bantering with your boss or something like that, and you they got you got a banter about you, and then they have that boss that boss that a boss voice also like, oh okay, like you 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 know. So you know he put caps like, oh you know you're gonna do this right, like oh whatever I'll do it. Like, yeah. So Spock keeps talking about Thasians, and Kirk asks if Spock believes the legend that the Thasians still exist on, you know, that planet. Uh, he didn't say what planet. I assume that's the one Charlie crashed on. And Spock's like, yeah, you know, Charlie's existence kind of proves that there must be some form of intelligent life on Thasis, I think is what it was called. And so they argue about it a little bit further. And yeah, that's kind of the end of that scene. So uh, we cut to later on where Spock is in what looks like just kind of a recreation area, like a break room type thing. And he's playing some kind of weird little wooden harp with knobs on it. Uh, and the subtitles for me said strumming spooky chord. <laughs> I, did, I didn't think it was that spooky, uh, but apparently my, it's supposed my, to be My spooky. set playing high peach, uh, dissonic melody. Yeah. Mine was just strumming spooky chord. <laughs> yeah. That, why, why, did, why did we get different subtitles for the I, same episode? I, I, I have no idea. So, and at this point, Uhuru is uh, humming pretty loudly over him and interrupts his playing. And everybody in the room starts laughing at him. And she's like, oh, you know, sorry, did I do that again? Uh, and, and Spock just kind of gives this weird smile and starts playing again. And then she starts singing a song about, you know, a devil aboard the Enterprise. And she's obviously alluding to Spock in some way. Um, so Charlie enters the room. And Uhura starts singing a song about Charlie liking Janice. Which made me wonder, how old is Janice? Because, like, she seemed to be... Like Uhura was obviously joking about it, but how old do you think Janice is? I'm assuming she's. I, I think she's late twenties, late late twenties, maybe early thirties, and I don't know. I, I assume that. But uh, on that little um, recreational scene, that's what I noticed. This trend. I don't like everybody wearing the same colors. Like I, I get these yeah, like, uniforms. They all red in there. No, no, it's like they're all like blue or red or that uh, disgusting uh, gold. Like it. And then, like, and then if you look at some of their uh, outfits, which I started, I started really outfits. Like, so Spock has two gold rings around his uh, his wrist, and Yohora has oh, one. I didn't even notice that. And I'm, I've been wondering if that's a rank thing. Cause I've been trying to distinct rank rank on this uh, this whole thing for a while now. I can't, just, I, I don't understand rank. So, like, when I see when I see people wearing the same colors, I, I thought they were different, like different ranks. I know different classes. I, I get what the things are. I just don't understand what is what. Yeah, I was curious because I know like the whole red shirt joke, like, oh, you know, the red shirts are the unimportant guys that that die. And I don't know which series of Star Trek that pertains to because it's clearly not this one because Uhura has a, she wears a red shirt yep. and I don't think she's just going to, you know, up and die one day. Yep. Uh, but I, I, I wonder if maybe it's not rank, but more like role, because in some of the stuff, you know, a little later on, I noticed that people that were fulfilling kind of the same sort of role were wearing the same thing. Oh, but, okay. But yeah, I, I, I don't under, cause they don't wear like an insignia that shows their rank or anything. Uh, so at this point, uh, Charlie during, uh, Uhura singing, does this like rapid head tilt thing and Uhura suddenly can't 
speak anymore. She can't sing. And this is where I have written down motherfucking mind powers again. So it's that's we're there. <laughs> that's here we go. I hope I just I, earlier when I saw that thing, I just we're we're in the same wheelhouse again. So I like I don't know. I'm gonna let it go. I let I'm letting it go. I just it kind of it kind of bothered me. I'm I'm glad you wrote that down and noticed it too. Because as soon as I saw the first guy, all like, caps and everything. Yeah, as soon as I saw the first power, I wrote down this better not be the same idea again. And then it just it happened again. So Charlie shows a. Uh, Janice a card trick and he's got three cards places them face down and asks her to turn them over and when she turns them over they are all pictures of her which is kind of weird um he's like oh yeah one of the men on Antares showed me how to do that trick and so I know we talked in the past about how uh smart and like quick on the uptake everyone is but man right there right then and there I'd have been like no like that's not something's weird about this like that's just weird as shit Oh, when she put the cards over and and, and has a had the pictures on it. Yeah, I knew that was weird, but as, again, at the same time, I've seen so many crazy magic tricks. I can get the allure of just oh, it's so cool, it's so original, so cool. Like I can get the idea of being wanting to be tricked and thinking it's different. But I think it's more about the pictures. I think it's more about him having yeah. The pictures even if she that. accepts it as a cool magic trick, where the fuck did you get those pictures, Charlie? Right. <laughs> <laughs> that, I think that's the bigger deal. Is the pictures, not the whole trick itself. So yeah, yeah. So she, he places them face down and then he picks them back up and they're all, you know, the regular cards again. And then he uh, puts four aces on the table face up and he picks one up and just, he shows it to Janice and then just kind of throws it across the room. And then Janice makes this face like, what the hell? There's something in my shirt. And so she reaches in her shirt and she pulls out the ace that Charlie threw away, which that's like a David Blaine style trick. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I've seen him do something similar to that. Uh, so we cut to a little bit later. Um, Kirk is talking to somebody in a hallway and he's explaining that it's, it's Thanksgiving, you know, on earth time. And if the crew has to eat synthetic meatloaf, it better damn well look like a Turkey. <laughs> uh, I'm I, like meatloaf, I, I don't know how I like synthetic meatloaf. I, I, yeah. When I heard synthetic meatloaf, I thought, Oh, I wonder what it tastes like. Meatloaf is okay. Probably not Sometimes good. It's not bad, but yeah. Yeah. So I, I know I'm hung up on this, but at this point I went back to check the star date again because mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, you know, maybe I can figure it out because, you know, based on what day it is, Earth time, maybe that's some kind of, you know, maybe the first two numbers denote uh, like a month or maybe, you know, the whole thing is how many days. But I just there's no no, no part of that that makes any sense. I'm just I'm hung up on star oh, date. Yeah, forever. Cause, yeah, because you said on Earth today is Thanksgiving. And these that start date as a reference. You know what? I'm gonna try. I'm gonna look it up and see if I can. I, I want to find out about that myself. There, there's no correlation between the star date that they were in and Thanksgiving, so I still don't know how the hell they do it. So Charlie uh, walks into the hallway and he asks Kirk why Janice didn't like having her butt slapped, and Kirk gets like super flustered. Like the one thing I know, we're only two episodes in, but he, you know, he handled everything in that first episode with absolutely no problems and this is the thing where he starts kind of getting flustered and doesn't know what to do and he's like well there's no right way to hit a woman <laughs> <laughs> you know uh somebody, some people so, some of these quotes dude are just uh, some of the stuff they get away with is just so amazing back in front of time and the, and the way they say which it. i feel as long as you have a safe word that you've agreed upon you know maybe there is <laughs> a right true. way but that's a two-way street <laughs> There's no right way to hit it. Like, oh, okay. Uh, and and Charlie doesn't understand, you know, kind of what he's saying. And, and quite frankly, neither did I. Mm. Uh, 
But Kirk gets summoned to the bridge, and uh, Captain Ramart has contacted them. So Charlie wants to go to the the bridge, and Kirk's like, "No, you know, just stay. You know, go do something else." But Charlie doesn't listen and, and follows him anyway. Uh, so Ramart is just barely within range to transmit a signal, and he starts to warn Captain Kirk of something, but his signal just cuts out. Um, Ahura then says that the Antares isn't transmitting anymore, and Charlie's like, well, you know, it wasn't very well constructed. So Kirk then instructs Spock to probe the area where the Antares was, and he asks Charlie if he thinks that something happened to the Antares. So he's you know, immediately suspicious of Charlie, which, you know, it's right back to good old Captain Kirk. Just nothing gets by him. Of course. I like, I like that. Spock says that they found debris on their scanners and that it's definitely what's left of the Antares. Uh, and then Kirk gets a call saying that the meatloaf in the oven has turned into real turkeys. And Charlie kind of starts laughing and just leaves the bridge. And we go to a commercial so break. So Charlie apparently can warp reality. Yeah, it seems that he can make things happen. Well, well I, that's when, so when it first had the uh, cologne thing, he, whatever he gave, I can't remember, the gift he gave her. That's when I first thought, oh, okay, that's kind of weird. And then the whole, it's still some tur- turkeys. So I'm like, oh, he can warp that too. So it's like, it's just the the overly powerly type thing that's kind of, yeah, once again, it's kind of like, yeah. Do you think he turned them into like live turkeys or just like, you know, Thanksgiving turkey? Yeah, I have no idea. It looks like turkey, so I'm assuming that it was cooked. What's his reference for a turkey? Do you think that was in the hollow tapes? <laughs> exactly. Unless he rests somebody's memory to get the turkey. Exactly. We're, we're thinking too. We're thinking too good, dude. We're just thinking about it way too much. Like there's there's so many small questions in there. How you know what a turkey is? Right, but but again, you know, we've only seen two episodes of this, but they seem to think about that. Well, he didn't. He say that he got uh, information from the log. He didn't know what a handshake. He didn't know how to do a handshake, bro. He didn't know how to do a handshake two hours ago. Now he, now he knows what a turkey That's is. That's true. Like I'm. <laughs> Like, the just, microtapes didn't cover, you know, things like basic greetings, but they did cover, you know, birds on Earth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's just one of the things I was like, OK. So we come back from the commercial and uh, we're back in another captain's log, Stardate 1535.8. And my note says, is this a few days later? How the fuck does Stardate work? <laughs> I, I wonder if it's how far they traveled. Well, I did a little research. I did a little Google research and apparently they just... Uh, did something and just uh, stay near a time. They made a mistake when they started doing it. And so they, when they pick a star date, they just, throughout the episode, they stay near that star date to reference it's been a little bit later. They don't have any specific. Okay, so it means nothing. It means something. I, I think over time they figured out a way to make it work. But yeah, at the beginning, they just kind of, they picked it and they stayed near it. Stay near it. To- Dan, I hadn't considered the fact that it could be like, you know, a distance of travel. But then how would anything ever make sense when you two people are talking about, well, you know, this happened, this star date, like nobody would ever have a reference for that. So that's why I assumed it's obviously like a, a way to measure the day or the year or the month or the hour or just fucking something that I can't seem to you figure out. You think it could be like a correlation with the star itself, like where it's at in the galaxy? I'm, I'm pretty positive that it's a, a, a measurement of time, uh, so like a year. The one thing I said, star dates are a mathematical formula, which varies depending on location in the galaxy, vector travel and other factors. So, huh. hey, who knows? I want to learn. So I like Dan's, now. Dan's pretty close on that. Yep. I'd say I would not have guessed that. I would have for sure thought that it was a, a measurement of time. But either way, uh, Kirk and Spock are playing some three-dimensional chess. 
and they're talking about the loss of the Antares and Spark is Spock is Spark Jesus. Uh, Spock is insisting that Charlie is responsible for the Antares, uh, and and Kirk doesn't seem very convinced, even though it's just like X amount of time ago he was like Charlie blew that thing up. So Charlie enters the room, which is something I'm gonna say a lot because my notes he just he's in every room. He just is all over the place. Uh, but Kirk beats Spock at chess, and and Spock's like, oh, you know your your approach was highly illogical, and that's why you won. So Kirk invites Charlie to play a game of chess against Spock, and then he leaves the room, which is kind of a shitty thing to do, because what if Kirk didn't feel like playing with Charlie? (laughs) Well, another thing about that is uh, you notice that uh, I like um, when Spock references that the way uh, Kirk mind works illogical a lot. Like, Spock used the logic, and Kirk never loses logic, which made their relationship so great, if you realize it, because they both are different sides of the coin where I think the way I think you think the way I think is somehow if we use our way, we come together to solve whatever issues and problems we have. Yep. Yeah. So Spock tries to explain how the game works and Charlie is just pretty uninterested. He's like, yeah, let's just, let's just go play. So they make a few moves and Charlie makes a move and Spock was like, well, you know, that one was a mistake. And Charlie's like, well, you know, no, it wasn't. And Spock ends up winning in a pretty short fashion and Charlie like gets four super moves. pissed about it. Yeah, yeah, like no time at all. But, you know, it's Charlie's fault for not listening to how to play the damn game. But bigger issue uh, is, aren't you supposed to say check when you have somebody in check? Or Yeah, when, they, and, they did when Kirk and Spock were playing. Yeah, but then they didn't say him check. Like, like he got made it without paying a check? That was weird. Like, I just, maybe he made that bad, bad of a mistake that quick. Well, hey, what the hell does Charlie know? He doesn't know if that's the right way to do it because he didn't listen to the rules. Yeah. Uh, so he gets pissed off that he lost, and he starts to do something you know he, he makes some, like face yeah he does his undertaker face and spock notices something's going on and he's like all right i'm out of here you know excuse me so charlie gets pissed off and he makes like this absolutely horrible face and the the chess pieces melt and i don't mean like it's like a scary like horrible face i mean like it just looks stupid <laughs> as shit like, i don't understand how they were fine with that face <laughs> Like he he pulls his head back and gets like neck wrinkles and like rolls his eyes. I, and I enjoyed. Like his I, chin I didn't like it at weird. first, but the more it, more it looked like he was really constipated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the director's like, "Perfect, got it. Do that every time." Yeah, I think I think it's supposed to seem like he's straining or something. I'm not sure what it is, but I actually enjoy. Like at first, I hated it. The first time I saw, I hated it, but it's, it grows on me throughout the episode. I'm like, oh, here's dumb face, dumb face. Oh yeah, like but, yeah, I hated it every time. Yeah, I enjoyed it as it went along. So Charlie storms out of the room, and in the hallway he runs into Janice and uh, Yeoman Third Class uh, Tina Lawton in the hallway. Uh, and Janice explains that Tina is his is Charlie's age, and he's pretty uninterested in her. And so she gets upset and she just leaves. Um, and at this point, I, I got really curious and I looked. Okay, so they are part of Starfleet. Starfleet is a federation military ship so they are military so if tina's around his age she would have to be like 18 right because there's no way they have like a 17 year old on the ship unless she's somebody's daughter and she grew up in on the ship or something like she grew up that way because i don't know if they have kids on ships yet we haven't really got oh she I, paul could be right she could be a military brat yeah right but are they, are they really bringing kids along on a military I mean, the, ship the ship's doing pretty a, big, an exploration so voyage where they don't know what they're going to run they into. They might accommodate families. Right, but like what they don't know what dangers they're going to run into. Actually, no, no, not, not about that. But think about this, though. 
I think we're wrong. Listen, they've been on space for years. I'm assuming people in here are having relations, you know. So I'm assuming kids are being bored on the ship. So I'm assuming they have some kind of thing going on where, you know, you're living on the ship, so you must have kids on the ship, so you have things going on. I'm assuming that it's a part of their life. Yeah, but if you think back to, like, the the pilot episode, their ability to do this travel has been around for less than 20 years, and the fact that these guys are on a five-year mission means that they – you have to assume that we're at the beginning of a five-year mission – that probably within the first year of it, hell, possibly even within the first few months of it. So that means that this, you know, potential child would have had to been, you know, brought aboard the ship, not conceived and raised aboard the ship. They haven't been there that long. Yeah. I also put a note once again, another female yeoman. So I'm assuming yeoman are female jobs. Yeah, I wondered uh, about that too, I, I, because I mean, we haven't I, seen a male yeoman. Yeah, I haven't seen a male yeoman yet. It's only female yeoman's. But part two, is it required for yeomans to have this dumbass hairstyle? <laughs> no, I think it's a requirement of being alive in the 60s. <laughs> because once again, like, I swear it's like mother and daughter. Like, oh, hey, this is my daughter, yada, yada, yada. I was like, oh, look at her hair. Like, it's ridiculously the same style as yours. Like, way over the top. Like, what is that hairstyle? And it's not a 60s thing either because six, nobody would have hair like that. It must be the hairstyle of the future. Yeah. I know. It's just, it's just the that hair. That could be. I don't know. It's just that. Yeah. Future hairstyles, they just get bigger, like, and just, like, kind of wrap that shit up like a beehive. Yeah, and part and part two. I, I, if I was him, I would I would I would holler at the little young yoma because she was cute too. Like I don't, yeah, like I don't like why be hung up on Janice? Exactly. He's all about that mill. <laughs> he, yeah. he he's I, all about that beehive. He's, he's, <laughs> I like I like older women. <laughs> like I want some of that honey. Where's that guy in the beekeeper suit? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so Janice uh, tells Charlie that it was rude to dismiss Tina, and he. Charlie tries to explain how much he likes Janice in like a kind of really weird way. He's like, "Oh, I like you because you smell like a girl." I don't really, I don't, I don't. That's one of those things where I just they said it and I and I smirked and I let it go because I was like, you know what, this is yeah, this is my. Yeah, this, let's not elaborate on that. Yeah, one. yeah this could go left field. But, but how do they know what a girl smells like if he's never seen one? That's actually super fair question. I didn't even consider that. Like, well, she doesn't smell like me, so I like that. She walked around just sniffing all the guys, and he's like, well, that doesn't smell like Janice. Yeah, I have no idea. Like, oh, you guys like the bays. I haven't had a shower in 17 years. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dude, he must have smelled terrible when they picked him up. So he he says that all the other girls uh, look the same and that she's the only one that looks like her, which, again, I don't – I mean, we've seen a few different women on that ship, and I don't think any of them look the same. Well, they all have that same hairstyle. Just about. Yeah, just big. But he expresses, you know, feelings of, you know, he wants to be with her, whatever. Uh, so we cut to later on on the bridge. Uh, Janice is talking to Captain Kirk about Charlie. Says she's like, you know, if something isn't done about him, I'm going to have to hurt him. <laughs> I don't think he was being like, he's being creepy, but he's not being that bad. Uh, but but Ch- yeah, Kirk just, agrees to like, talk I'll to Charlie stalker, about it. I put stalkerish in my little notes. Yeah, and, and he does definitely give off the stalker vibe, but he's also like never been around a woman before. Yeah, and he said, "Well, like she says, uh, his first crush." Yeah, yeah, she started yeah. spinning off all oh, the first crush. I get it. Like I'm, I'm gonna have to, but I think, she, but I think she meant hurt him, as in like uh, hurt his feelings, not hurt him, as in hurt him physically. That's what I thought when she said hurt. Oh, I, I took it physically. 
Yeah, I was going to say, as dumb as it is, I literally didn't even think of that. I was yeah, just yeah, like, I, she's going to smack the shit no, out of no, him. No, no, no. I think she took a hurt as emotionally because he's, he's young and impressionable. And uh, she was like, oh, I, I, I'm going to hurt him because he's 17. He has a crush on me. If I tell him, hey, you can't have me. I'm too old for you. I'm going to hurt him. I don't want to be his first cr- uh, person that breaks his heart. That's, yeah, I, I think you're right. So, I don't know why I didn't think of that. But yeah, I that's, what right. I, that's what I thought about. I didn't think about the physical part. Yeah. So Kirk invites Charlie to his quarters and uh, starts to question him about the melted chest pieces. And Charlie lies and says he doesn't know anything about them. Uh, Kirk tries to explain to Charlie that he, you know, he can't be with Janice. Uh, you know, he's he's older or she's older. You know, she's not interested. Uh, Charlie gets pretty frustrated because he feels like everything he's doing is wrong. Like he just can't do anything right. And Kirk, you know, starts to comfort him. He's like, well, you know, every male goes through that. Uh, he advises Charlie just to to take his time. But, you know, he's like, hey, Janice is not the one for you. So Charlie starts to get a little upset because he realizes Janice doesn't feel the same way that he does. Um, Kirk tells him, you know, hang on tight and survive. You know, everybody does, which it, it, I don't know if anything's ever hit home for me more than that line. Like, that's pretty solid. Uh, so Kirk gets called by Ahura to inform him of some course adjustments that they made. Uh, Kirk then leads Charlie out of his room. And they arrive at uh, like sort of a gymnasium and they, they start practicing falling down and doing shoulder rolls. And I'm like, what the hell is this? Like they were obviously some time had passed because between the time that they left his room and the time they went there, they had time to change clothes into like these super bright red, you know, ghee. And, you know, Kirk is all shirtless. Uh, but then he's just like, yeah, check this out and just falls. Like, go, go ahead and do that. Yeah. So I, I, I got I got notes for this part. I put rec room question mark and I put the guy in the background looks at a place. What are you doing, bro? Like, are you doing exercise? Are you doing this to watch it be a, a background? Like you just clap, clap to be there. What are you doing? Cause you look like you're actually working out, bro. Like you look like you're, you're sitting there, you're sitting there just, and you're wearing like this underwear tight thing around. You got something around your waist. looks like, like a thong, bro. You wearing a front thong. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, he's wearing a front thong. And like he's sitting there with this exercise thing behind his head doing he's doing it and he's not doing it like even if he's doing it like intensely, he's literally sitting there pulling these things up and down and it's weird because on the other side, the same thing he's pulling up and down, they're hanging uh Kurt hung his jacket on his his world one, if you look at it. So I'm like, dude, like really, what are you there for? Like did it, like you, hey man, can I get in this scene? Uh, I just want to sit here and just act like I'm doing something. Like it oh I want to get some screen time in. Dude, I was like, Yeah. They had the guys in the background that were doing like the Oh, the pole. Oh, uh, the yeah. Oh, what that what that show used to be the American Battles thing or whatever. American Gladiators, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Charlie gets upset and he doesn't want to participate in falling down, and he's like, you know, hey, you were gonna teach me how to fight, which is a really weird thing to teach like this this young kid that really doesn't know anything. Like, oh, first things first, I'm gonna teach you how to fight. Uh, but he Kirk says he's not gonna do it unless Charlie learns how to fall first. And then I'm like, are they professional wrestling? Like that was a pretty solid bump for starters. Well, I, I, well, I think it makes sense though. Like he was like, "Hey, we'll, we can fight, but like if you don't know how to land right, you're going to get hurt." So I think he's like t- trying to, you know, trying to teach him how to. I'm assuming it's judo, grammar wrestling, whatever it is. And then if you don't land right, you can get hurt bad. So I, I get what Kurt. Yeah, to do. pretty much anything you're going to be doing where you're going to, you know, there's a chance you could fall. It, it's always a smart idea to learn how to fall. Yeah. Uh, but then I started wondering, like, if they were professional wrestling, what would their gimmicks be? Like, what would Captain Kirk be? <laughs> Probably Captain Kirk, <laughs> literally. <laughs> well, Charlie would clearly be the Undertaker because, like, I am going to roll my eyes in the back of my head. Yeah. Yeah. He's 
and and Kirk would be like the ladies, you man. know, something that Vince McMahon in the eighties wanted. He's like, yes. well, you're gonna be a starship, Captain Powell. <laughs> hey, ladies, I'm gonna beam you up. <laughs> yeah, and then yep. I started looking at like William Shatner in this, and he's in like classic sixties good shape. That's what I was. Like, th- dude, I swear he's God, not super ripped. Really. He's just you know big chest, not yeah. big arms, like just big chest, just yeah. in in really good in shape. shape. I, th- I said I thought the same thing when I saw that. I thought he's in really good shape. First thing I thought, I was like, oh, okay, cool, bro. Like, okay, yeah. So Kirk uh, grabs this guy named Sam to demonstrate a pretty solid hip toss. Uh, where Kirk gets hip tossed, and then uh, Captain Kirk monkey flips Sam, uh, and then he invites Charlie to try to do the same thing. So Charlie tries to hip toss him and is just absolutely terrible at it. Like I know he only saw it the one time, but come on, kid. Uh, so Kirk does this kind of like judo throw thing. And Sam just starts busting up laughing at, at Charlie and Charlie gets pissed off and makes Sam disappear. And Kirk seems to be pretty surprised by that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, okay. I actually took issue with this scene. What? Yeah, you, you just saw one of your crewmates just get, for all you know, decimated and you just kind of stare at him. Yeah, uh, I, I had written down that, you know, Captain Kirk is clearly pretty pissed off, but he's not showing it. And... I, I understand that. Like, if this kid just made somebody disappear, I'm probably uh, not going to piss him off. Like, you can be mad about it, but you can't just go off and, like, start beating the shit out of him because then you're just going to disappear, too. Yeah, but I think, see, Kurt has this thing where, like, he thinks before he acts and he speaks with that authority and, and like, whatever. So I assume that, like, he's like, okay, my dude has got decimated. Stay calm. Like, he, he has a coolness about him in every situation. He's super calm. He doesn't, his emotions are high or low. He just, he's cool. He's cool. And, he's, and it just right. goes, you know, so I, I understood it. And honestly, I hope that we get a point in this series where he absolutely loses his shit. Like, and doesn't think first. Yeah. I wonder what it would take to push him to that. Because, like, his, his crewman literally just disappeared into nothing before his eyes. Yep. Like, you don't know if he was teleported somewhere or something. He's just, he's just gone. Yep. He's just like, he's just like, well, it's 427 now. <laughs> That's funny because literally my next note is they are now down to 427 people on the ship. <laughs> he wants to be specific about it. So can I. <laughs> like people die all the time around me. Yeah. I, should we do a running total of how many people have died in this show? We should go back and check oh, it out. I think we yeah. should. Yeah, I'll have to go back and see. I, th- I want to see. It was like at least three, maybe four, maybe five in the first episode. Do we count the pilot? I I think we should count the pilot also. I don't know. If, I don't remember if anybody died. Yeah. So uh, Charlie says that Sam is gone and that he didn't mean to to make him disappear. And then Kirk just calls security and you know tells Charlie he's gonna have to stay in his quarters. Um, Charlie's like, well, you know, if they hurt me, I'm going to make them go away too. And then you get that like super serious lighting where everything is dark around Charlie, but his eyes, like his eyes are lit up. Um, so security approaches Charlie. They got there super quick and he uses his mind to knock them down. And then one of them draws their phaser and Charlie makes that disappear. Not only does it, they get that quick, which is not my thing, but yo, you just saw him get rid of the other guy. Like once you, what, if you're, if you're going to be calm, collected, which I know you are, why don't you just say, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna confine you to quarters for your own safety." Like you be the Kurt guy instead of getting the security guys there. That's two more bodies he can make disappear. You know, right. like why do you involve your security? And like I know it's, it's protocol, but yo, this is not pro- this is not protocol typical. Like yo, this dude has literally just made somebody disappear. 
Like, why are you bringing more bodies for him to make disappear? I don't. Get, I didn't get that myself. And and another thing about it is when he, when he, when they film the close ups to them, they have like this eye. It's like some of the light just catches their eyes only. Like it's all shadows and the light and the eyes only. That's real cool to me. I, I always notice that, like how cool it looks. Yeah, everything's just super dark, but their eyes are yeah, the only thing that are lit yeah, up, like just to like, kind of show that they're super intense, pissed looking, off or yeah, whatever, looking at each other. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Kirk approaches Charlie after he knocks over the security guys in. He does use his uh, authoritative dad voice and tells Charlie that he's gonna go to his quarters or he's gonna pick him up and carry him there, which is uh, badass. Would be an, an, an yeah, <laughs> it'd be interesting yep. to see. So so Charlie seems kind of stunned by that, and now we have you know that lighting effect on Kirk's eyes, so yep. he's super serious. I, I like so they're both the, I just like kind the, of staring at each other like that. I, I like I, I just I love Kirk so much in this episode. Like I just love like. Every time he's like, I don't give a like. Okay, sure, you made this very, but what? Look, I'll pick you up and I'll carry you. I'll carry you to your room. Like, oh, like, sorry, Dad. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, exactly. I'm, you know, like, sorry, I apologize. Like, I don't care what, what kind of power you got. I'll pick you up and carry you myself. Like, oh, okay, cool. So we go to a commercial break and it comes back, uh, resuming the stare down between Kirk and Charlie. And uh, Charlie is like, you know, I'm not going to let them, you know, hurt me. I'm not, I'm not going to let them take me away. And Kirk, you know, he's like, well, you know, that's your choice. You know, kind of, kind of telling him, you know, if that's how you're going to do it, then I'm going to have to do what I do. Yeah. Uh, Charlie relents and he goes with uh, security to his quarters. Kirk then gets a, a call telling him that all the phasers on the ship have disappeared. And he calls for uh, McCoy and Spock to meet him in the briefing room. And I'm just like, man, poor taxpayers. Now they got to replace all the damn weapons on the Enterprise. <laughs> so I, I, I got a question on that. Well, not really a question, but more of a statement. So the only weapons that they have on board are phasers. You don't have it. any other weapons that they... Yeah, I don't know if that's the only weapons that they have, but it's the only ones that Charlie has seen to that point. So I guess that's the only reference that he has to make things disappear. I got a better question, though. What other weapon would they need, though? Like the, 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 the phasers themselves, they, they got stunned and killed, and then you have... Like I don't get, uh, like I don't get what, what what knives. Like I don't get what you. I guess Dan, I guess Dan, I don't get what you're saying about like what other weapons. You, you gotta explain that a little bit deeper for me. I don't get what you're saying. What you're trying to say? Well, I, I guess I'll bring up the weapons thing a little bit later on in the episode. Why I have an issue with it? Oh, but, okay, yeah, because I just yeah, that's my question about it to you. Because like I'm sitting there, like I get, I get your question. It makes sense to me. But I'm thinking, I, like, I don't want to like, jump ahead yet. But I, I have an issue with the weapons uh, as of right now. Okay, because that's because that's kind of like saying uh. Oh, the, the, he got rid of all the guns, so they don't have any other weapons. Well, he gives you all the guns, but it's still knives and forks and spoons. I don't know whatever else you could use, so I don't, you know. Yeah, but I do understand what you're saying about the uh, phaser, though. That is kind of a Swiss Army knife of weapons. I hadn't thought about that. I wonder how strong that thing can get, because obviously they had to use that cannon at one point in the pilot. Yeah. Um. So in the briefing room, Spock is talking about how Thasians, he's back on that, uh, have the power to transmute objects and render substances invisible. And it's regarded as kind of a legend. And he says that, you know, Charlie seems to possess that power. And at this point, no, he definitely has that power. It's not like a seeming thing. Like he, people, he made a man disappear. And he's like, well, you know, he, he seems to have that. Mm-hmm. So McCoy says that uh, Charlie's fingers and toes match the present development of on Earth. So it's unlikely that he is a Thasian. And Spock agrees to that. And he's like, well, you know, maybe not. But it's he says that it's likely that charlie destroyed the antares kirk suggests talking to charlie and listening to him as a way to get through this 
and he thinks that Charlie's just you know struggling as you know an adolescent who spent all of his time alone and that people just kind of need to listen to him um and Spock is like well you know if things happen the struggle has to be between you know you and Charlie you know Kirk you're the authority figure here and you know he is Kirk already used his dad voice so you know he's Papa Kirk but he also doesn't want to be dad though either like he doesn't seem to want to interact with the kid no not at all yeah but also another thing about the um Kurt seems to want to help him like he like he just killed a team member but he's still like that's one thing i noticed about Kurt. like he want even though I, he saw him use his powers and he knows what he did he realizes what he is he's a kid he's a person that that wants to have Oh man, like, like I can't explain it right about about when you're yeah. Teenager. He's got like sympathy and the he he like, understands. You can't yeah. control your emotions a lot when you're a teenager. You know how you are when you're a teenager. You can't control yeah. emotions, so you you do you lash out and do things. He's like, okay, you lashed out, but I can still find a way to get to him to get him to make him. Yeah, Kirk's like know. I remember when I was a teenager, I made everybody disappear. Like so, I yeah, understand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Charlie enters the room as he does. And Kirk asks him if he was uh, responsible for what happened to the Antares. And Charlie's like, yeah, that was totally me. He's like, oh, there was a, a warped baffle plate on the shield of their energy pile. And I made it go away. He's like, well, the ship was, you know, junk that it would have blown up anyway. Uh, so then I was like, what the fuck is a baffle plate? And I'm going to do a little bit of reading here for you. Uh, according to Google, a baffle plate is a plate or mechanical device designed to restrain or regulate the flow of a fluid, the emission of light or sound, or the distribution of sound, especially in a loudspeaker or microphone. And I'm like, well, that Ooh. doesn't really match up with no, part no, of that. But, no, you but know, it's, it's, a, it's, not a it's a liquid, though. But I think it's a liquid, so I'm assuming that maybe the uh, the gas or whatever they use is they use as the warp engine, maybe? Maybe liquefied? Yeah, it was on their, uh, their energy pile, he said. Yeah, uh, uh, the shield of their energy pile. So it was something that some mechanical piece on their shield. But Google yeah, also something. said that it's also present in a word, a word, a wood burning stove, and a baffle plate is used to distribute air to each part of the firebox by creating a circuitous path for warm air to travel through the firebox while cold air flows through the same space around it. Mm. So at least they didn't just make something up, you know, and pull something out of their ass. So they took yeah, something. Yeah you know, that is real and just kind of applied it to something like an energy shield, which I greatly appreciate because I kind of hate when shows just make things up and then they don't tell you, you know, what that thing really is. Yeah. I understand. Right. Yeah. So Charlie says that he blew up the Antares because nobody on the ship was nice to him. And uh, Kirk asks, you know, about, about them. He's like, you know, what do you think about ours? Are we nice to you? And Charlie's like, well, yeah, I don't know. And then he leaves as he does always in and out of rooms. So later on the bridge, uh, Kirk tells Lieutenant Uhura to call the governor of Colony 5. And uh, he tells the navigator to lay a course away from the colony to buy some time because they they clearly don't want to take Charlie there. And then the computer malfunctions and Uhura gets her hand shocked. And I thought that was a pretty good uh, special effect there, the electricity going through the, the panel. Yeah. But once again, it's another one of those uh, flashing light type situations where if you got epilepsy, don't watch the show. Yeah. It's not, yeah. it's, not, it's not for you. My issue with that part right there, where did I put it down? Something about her hair, right? Yeah, something about her hair, man. Her like her hair, like like, like I get I get when you get shocked, your hair is supposed to do that that uh thing where you sit up and down, whatever. But her hairstyle 
just got like it's like they heard the ground they grabbed the hair and just like they don't mess it up real fast and then like put it back like they just, <laughs> I didn't see i'm gonna think if i can look oh i didn't notice dude, that i'm telling you man i noticed these hairs i, I check these hairstyles are driving me crazy man like they, all these people are just the hair you're like, gonna need your own podcast just talking about the hair of star trek <laughs> dude, i'm telling you man the, the people's hairstyles I, I noticed it was bothering me i can't get bothered by people's hairstyles like, there's no way her hair would look like that falling. Like, it's not it's not going to get that out of place. So the navigator says that he can't put uh, any commands into the computer. And the helmsman says that the helm isn't responding. So they've clearly lost control of the ship here. Uh, Charlie enters the room again because it's what he does. And Kirk asks Spock if he's getting any readings. And as Spock is re- responding, uh, Charlie starts making him uh, talk in poems. And so Kirk's like, oh, yes, sir. There's a tiger, tiger burning bright in the forest of the night. And Google tells me that that is a poem or part of a poem by William Blake. And the message of that poem is about the fact that God can do anything, which is a really uh, interesting Easter egg, like very apt there for Charlie making him do that. Yeah. Right before he does that, um, where he start when Charlie walks in, the reason I brought up a little bit about the colors and the people. There's one scene where Spock is standing with his, tra- his guys who are in front of him, the transporter guys, and there's one scene where it's Charlie, Sp- uh, uh, Kurt, and both his little controller people, and they all got the same color on. They all got Even the same did Kirk color. Kirk have shirt. the same color. They, they all yeah, they all got this this disgusting gold color. All three of them do. The transporter people and Kurt have a gold color uh, shirt on. Yeah, they all had the same color. Huh. And they're all sitting in the same scene together. Like I'm looking at it, and visually it looks disgusting. Like you don't yeah, notice there's this no phone. variation. There's no variation. And so, like once again, but the wrists have different gold gold levels on them. So I'm assuming the wrists are they how they, they tell rank once again. But I'm walking like, how am I going to see your rank on your wrist when I meet you immediately? Yeah, that's actually really interesting. We're gonna have to look that up to see. So you're saying that like on the the sleeve, the wrist. Is has like some kind of gold like embroidery. Yeah, yeah, some yeah, some has one gold ring, some have two gold ring, and Kurt has three gold rings. I've been trying to figure out if that's dict- dictates. Uh, I think Spock had two. I, I wonder if that dictates uh, rank or not. That's what I. I never. I mean, honestly, that seems super likely. Like that's very plausible. I, yeah, I just. Didn't, I bet I just you're right about that. Now I'm super interested for us to look that up. I, I bet you are correct about that. I never noticed the the wrist thing. Yeah, either did I. So would that make Kirk? Would that make Kirk like a three star general then? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how it works. I'm not sure three like uh, like one has captain, one has one. I'm not sure what's going on. Like Spock has two gold ones, Kirk has three. So I'm not sure if that dictates who's in charge or exactly how it works. I don't know. So I'm hoping in future we meet the admiral or somebody is higher that might have. I'm be able to look at their wrist and see they have more and be able to dictate like, oh, that's what it is. Well, yeah, because he answers to somebody himself. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but if that's how that really works, and that's a really nice detail that you know the the crew put into this show, and and they kind of keep catching me off guard with things like that too. Like I'm always surprised at the what they think of when they do this show. I noticed that, and I wanted to bring it up before I forgot about it. Cause I just yeah, no, that that is really interesting. I'm yeah. I'm curious about that as well. I might actually just end up googling that and seeing because I can't imagine they're going to explain that at any point. Yeah, I just I just kind of because uh, if you, uh, bones, he wears short sleeves. He's the doctor. He don't wear. He don't have any sleeves. So it's like, I I don't I don't see. I'm, just, I'm wondering how it works. Yeah. So I wonder if he's actually part of like the Starfleet military. I wonder if the doctor would be a civilian. Yeah. If he's just like kind of a contracted guy, like you know, we have to have one. But why wouldn't they have their own military doctors though? 
Yeah, but I just, but he, he first leaves. I'm like, well, is that a rank thing too? I don't, like I said, I just, I'm really interested. Like, I'm going real deep into it. I'm interested in the, in the idea of how you dictate rank and color. Because a lot of people wear the same color and the same thing. I'm not sure if it's because they like the crew going to find certain materials, they the same materials, made the same shirts, et cetera, or the, the colors mean something, or is the rank just a dictated by a certain way? I'm, that's what I'm more interested in to figure out because I'm real, I don't understand that part of the show. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to look into that. Um, so Spock tries to speak again, and he has another poem, which is uh, Saturn's Rings Around My Head down a road that's Martian red. And my research for that just showed that it was a, a poem that they made up for the the show. So no like crazy significance there, but it actually just a little bit of trivia. It was originally four lines and they decided to cut it down to just the two. And the original four line poem was uh, Saturn's rings upon my finger, Vulcan's helmet on my head, Jupiter's chariot neath my feet down the road that's Martian red. So they, they made a little bit of a, a reference to you know the Vulcans and then just decided to cut it oh. um, so Charlie says that uh, Kirk can't change the course because he wants to get to the colony as soon as he can and he refuses to release control of the transmitter uh, at this point McCoy enters the room and Spock tries to talk again but again we get another poem which is uh, once upon a midnight dreary while I pondered weak and weary which is uh, from Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven I not that. have to look that one up. I know that one. Yeah. Not the entire thing, but um, so Charlie refers to Spock as Mr. Ears and tells Kirk that he can make Spock do anything he wants. And Kirk approaches him and and tells Charlie to leave his crew alone. Um, at which point Charlie just leaves the bridge and he relents his control from Spock. So Spock warns that Charlie soon's going to reach a point where he's not going to back down from Kirk. That like his influence. You know, isn't going to last forever. Yeah, the curtain that the curtain, the dad voice, and the dad voice always gets me. Yeah, I mean, I almost relinquished control of Spock, and I don't even have it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so in the hallway, uh, Charlie's just kind of stomping around, and he he runs into Tina, and she's like, "Oh, you know, hey, Charlie, what's wrong?" And he just makes that you know scrunched up face and turns her into an, an iguana. So uh, they, yeah, uh, he said lizard. He says lizard. They don't specify iguana, but I know what iguana is. So. You know, a, a big lizard. Yeah. So now crew count is a uh, four twenty seven and one iguana. <laughs> yeah. And not only that, but when he does it, though, he kind of smirks. Like he gets that. Like he's starting to get that serial killer vibe. I'm, I'm starting to get that criminal minds vibe. Like, oh, okay, this guy's a little. This guy's off. Like at the beginning, I, I forgave. I forgave everything he did the whole time. I was like hoping for the best until that moment. I'm like, oh, really? My, my girl? I, like I like her. She's cute. Like, yeah. The, the, now he's just doing things because he can't control yeah, himself. Yeah. Because he can't control himself. Yeah. From that moment, like at the beginning, I was okay, and then today I was like, okay, now you're just a jerk, dude. Like that's enough. And and she was she was even so nice he, too. He can warp reality, mm-hmm. but he can't make people like him. Hmm. Well, honestly, he, he hasn't controlled anybody's emotions. Uh, he controlled he controlled what you do. But I haven't seen him control anybody's emotions. Uh, something like that. So maybe that's maybe that's the emotion thing. Yeah, maybe that's kind of the limit because he made Uhura stop singing. He changed what Spock was saying, but that's all, uh, you know, a more physical thing, right? Like yep. changing what Spock was saying right. kind of, yeah, well, I don't know. Because yeah, if, he, if he wanted Janice that bad, he could just be like, oh, you're mine. Yeah. 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 I don't think he, I don't think he'd do that. So oh, he, must not be, he must not be able to do that. Yeah. That must be where his limit is. 
Uh, but speaking of Janice, uh, in her room, she's writing on this little tablet and uh, Charlie enters the room and gives her a flower and she doesn't take the flower. And she's like, you know, don't come in my room without knocking. And Charlie says, don't ever lock your door on me again, Janice, and tells her that uh, he loves her. And she doesn't acknowledge him and just asks what he wants. And he's like, oh, yeah, I want you. And then he walks towards her and we go to a commercial. But man, don't ever lock your door on me again. Is He's he's gone from like kind of creepy stalker to now he's like abusive uh, boyfriend. Already. Yeah, I, 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 I seriously wrote on Criminal Minds. I put serial, serial killer vibes, Criminal Minds. Literally when he said that. Because literally it's like, like, like I said, the whole time, like uh, this whole episode, I, I truly was okay with everything he did. I understood it. And then from this tent, from this moment on, like he's just getting more and more, more and more to that level. Like you're like, what are you, look, dude? You're crazy. Like you gotta die. Possessive. Yeah, possessive, and and I do what I want to do, and I don't care about the consequences, and like more and more, I just started wishing bad on. Now he's acting like a teenager. Yeah, he's he's throwing a fit. Like he's throwing a fit. I notice also in this scene that she's writing on some kind of like weird tablet with like uh you know one of those uh with a stylus so they kind of predicted uh mm. a, tab- a tablet with oh this scene. you know what that's smart i was, i thought it was i, I want it's a sketch in my head i'm thinking it's a sketch but now that you mention it let's look at tablet oh, everybody God. thinks it was demolition man but it was star trek it's funny you mention that because once again the star trek seems to be really good at making up uh sci-fi technology that ends up becoming real yeah, and it's funny because like watching this now, you know, you see that as a tablet. But I imagine in the '60s that would have been a pretty cool looking thing that nobody had thought of before. Thought of. But I, I mean, obviously, I haven't seen every movie and whatnot from the time, but yeah. it was probably considered a pretty space age thing. And now, you know, everybody's got one sitting at home. Oh, that is so cool! I didn't notice that. Dude. I never even thought about that. How they, they predicted the tablet too. That is uh, man. The other thing I noticed is that she's wearing some kind of weird ass nightgown. And how the hell, I'm going to assume it's a nightgown, like, it doesn't look like that's something that you would put on over your pajamas. Like, how the hell could she be comfortable sleeping in that thing? <laughs> I didn't notice it. I didn't know, I didn't notice it, even though I watched it. Yeah, just like a weird big pink nightgown. But uh, they go to the, co- the commercial break, and we come back, and Charlie is still talking to Janice about how much he likes her when she secretly uh, turns on an intercom behind her back. So there are conversations being broadcast, I assume, throughout the entire ship, but at least in the bridge where Kirk hears a conversation and he and Spock uh, immediately begin running towards Janice's room. Uh, they get to the room pretty quickly and they try to attack Charlie, but he you know, does the whole mind knockback thing. And then Janice just slaps the fucking shit out of Charlie, just <laughs> slaps the piss out of him. It's about time. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Great it, moment. And so she she did have to hurt him physically. <laughs> because man she really laid that one in yeah overall like that that slap was like one of the ones where you know she followed through like she fought like look, she followed through because his head got knocked back i was like okay yeah you deserve that yeah she's like i'll slap a bitch she's, she's been saving that one for a while yeah so charlie makes that uh you know squishy stupid face and janice disappears so crew count 426 and one iguana that effect is actually <laughs> cool I should like I should like that effect. It just it's it's very sixties, but it, it I I mean it doesn't look bad. Yeah, actually, it's like just it. kind of like fade away. But it yeah, looks it's just the the CGI in this whole show. Like I've n- I've never seen something that's been t- so terrible. I'm like oh, the disgusting. Like everything is just kind of I liked it. It's real cool. 
Yeah, but you didn't like the damn phaser shot from the last episode, did you, Paul? Because it was all flashy. <laughs> it, was, it, was cra- it was too much. You know, going back to the flower, do you think he changed another crew member into a flower or just made a flower? Oh, God, I hope he just made one. Yeah, let's hope he just made one, yeah. Do you think he's sending them to the Shadow Realm? <laughs> to the Shadow Realm. I don't know what's going on. Like I said, I don't know what's going on with the people. I don't, I'm wondering... I wonder if they're all. I wonder if they're dead. I don't really know. I'm, I'm more curious if he's just sent them somewhere. They're changing everybody to. That's one of the things that's super unsettling for me. Like, and and it always is in any uh, movie or show where people just kind of disappear. Like, it's just very unsettling to not know if they went somewhere else or if they just ceased to exist. That's that, that's what I'm looking for. Cease to exist because that would be that would understand his power. Because if his power makes you you can't exist, it's like, okay, that's level of his power. If he just sends you somewhere else, that's level of his power. That's what I was kind of wondering in my head. I wonder what was exactly was the power, you know, of the dead or the just get sent somewhere else. Yeah, he, he could have just sent him to the, the planet with all the, the hookers. Yeah, oh, oh, yeah, they oh, could have yeah, gone yeah. to uh, Wrigley's Pleasure Planet. Yeah. Yeah, which why wouldn't he send himself there? I don't know, but. <laughs> yeah. So at this point, uh, Charlie turns his attention to Kirk and Spock, and he's like, well, you know, I, I can't really do anything to you, Kirk, because I need you to run the ship. Uh, but, you know, you need to, to be nice to me. And uh, then he starts like, I'm, I don't know exactly what he does. It looks like, you know, Kirk starts holding his uh, his stomach. So maybe like Charlie is, is doing something to Kirk's inside. You know, it's obviously causing him some sort of pain. And, and Spock is like, well, hey, you know, my legs are broken and I, I can't get up. Uh, so Kirk tells Charlie that he needs Spock to help run the ship and he needs to let him go. And Charlie does and threatens to make more people go away if Kirk tries to hurt him. And Kirk is like, well, you know, hey, what happened to Janice? Like, what'd you do to her? And he he doesn't really respond. He won't say what he did. So back in the hall, uh, Charlie's kind of muttering about how uh, he, he froze someone that had a mean look and how he, he likes people to look happy. And he enters a room, uh, just a little room, and Kirk doesn't follow him in. And then when Charlie tries to leave, he gets shocked by a barrier. So then Charlie gets pissed off and, you know, makes that scrunch face. And then the whole wall disappears and Spock and Kirk are frozen in, in place at that point. Uh, so Charlie, you know, just gives him the whole, you know, you shouldn't do that kind of thing. And then unfreezes him and walks away. So he's kind of just like stomping through the hallway and he he runs into this young girl and he turns her into an old woman. So clearly, you know, he can do more than just make people go away. I mean, we knew he could turn people into iguanas, but he can just like age them like, holy shit. Well, that's what I said. It, now he's just being a dick. Yeah. No, la- no laughing. Oh, whoa. Okay. Yeah. It, yeah. We So we get to that. He sees those group of people just hanging out and laughing and having fun. and he's, He tells them that they're not allowed to laugh. And he uses the, he does the whole Matrix thing where not just their mouth, but their whole face is just gone. Like, it's just, like, covered in skin. And that girl's, like, you know, creepily, like, screaming, but she doesn't have a mouth. Mm. And that's a very unsettling thing for me. I wrote down, no face, oh, shh. Because I I was like, yo, what? I I said, like, what the hell is hell? Because I just didn't, it caught me off guard. Like, 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 I thought he might freeze him and place some at that. When I saw her face, I thought, oh, my God, he removed her face. Like, that, like he like he got to go. That's enough. Enough's enough. Yeah. Yep. That's enough for me. That's yeah. it's, it, that's incredibly unsettling. Yeah. Um, so on the bridge, uh, Uhura tells uh, Kirk that they are receiving a message, but she can't hear anything. Uh, Kirk asks Charlie if he's creating the message or just blocking one that's incoming. And Charlie's like, well, you know, that's my game. 
you know, you have to find out. And then he lets them know that he's uh, locked the ship on course for Colony 5, and then he just walks off the bridge. Um, on another deck, Charlie's just stomping through the halls again, just freezing people. And uh, then he, he just he comes across a group of guys, and he just pushes past them, and he doesn't do anything to them, which I thought was really weird. He's, he's just just screwing with everybody and just lets these guys go. Well, I think the, th- the, thing, the thing about that, though, is once again, he's up and down. He's been up and down the whole show. He's been good, bad, good, bad, bad things, bad, good. Emotional, not emotional. Don't care, not caring. Like, you're, you're irrelevant. Like, he's been like that the whole episode. So when I saw that, I didn't think he was that big of a thing. I just thought he was just, you know, doing what he does. Yeah, maybe he burned through his bag of tricks already. He can't think of anything. I wonder if it's like teenage hormones and uh, bipolar. Yeah. Yeah, he's just, he's pissed off, but he's also kind of not pissed off. Sometimes. So... On the bridge, uh, Kirk is telling McCoy and Spock that he's got a plan. He's going to take Charlie on, and they obviously don't agree with that. Uh, Kirk notices that Charlie hasn't made anybody go away since he took over the entire ship, and he thinks that maybe Charlie has kind of overextended himself, and he he just doesn't have the power to keep doing that. So he thinks that if they turn on every device on the ship, you know, maybe they could distract Charlie and uh, tranquilize him and keep him that way until they can get somewhere safe. Charlie enters the bridge and threatens to make everybody go away, you know, at any time he wants. So he's just kind of, you know, grandstanding and he sits in the captain's chair and that just pisses Kirk off. And he's like, you know, get out of my chair and Charlie won't do it. So Kirk signals for everybody to just start turning everything on and it kind of freaks Charlie out a little bit. And at this point we get, you know, that lighting effect. It's, it's just, you know, they're just lighting Kirk's eyes. Everything else is dark. And then I wondered why the hell did he start his plan if nobody went to get a tranquilizer, like, <laughs> Oh, I didn't think about that. He's like, we're, we're going to tranquilize this guy. You know, you guys are going to distract him. We're going to trank him. And then Charlie walks in and he's like, okay, go. And people are like, well, we don't have a tranquilizer. Like what do you, what do you expect me to do? Yeah. I think it's more about the fact that, okay. Uh, you said when he sat in a chair, like that's the first time I saw Kurt, like, uh, have one of those emotions where he's like, Oh, he said in my chair. Like, okay, that's enough, bro. Like, like I put it with you put mess with my crew. I put it with you being this and that, but sitting in my chair is just enough. Like you can't do that, and, that, and that's yeah, when we found his- what sets him off. Yeah, sitting this year. Uh, Kirk says that he wants his crew back, and he wants them all back whole. Uh, he's like, and, and I'm going to get them even if I have to break your neck to do it. So he's just super pissed about this chair thing. Hey, he changed he changed the chair settings. Uh, so he grabs uh, Charlie out of the chair and just tosses him, like tosses him over to the stairs. Um, Charlie then hurts uh, Captain Kirk with the whole mind thing. And Kirk grabs him and is about to punch him when they get interrupted by Spock saying that they have regained control of the Enterprise. Um, Uhura says that she's getting a a message from uh, Thasis. And then Janice reappears on the bridge. So she's back. And we're back to 427 plus one iguana. So at this point uh, on their screen, uh, green like... A green ship appears. It kind of looks like it's made out of a gas. Like it's just—it's a really weird effect. I'm not sure what they were going for there. That's what I thought. It was like some type of gas ship. Yeah, it—it it, doesn't—it doesn't look right. But it appears, and Charlie starts to to scream. He's like, "No, no, no!" and and begs not to let the uh, other ship take him. And then you get like a big green floating head that appears on the bridge, and uh, Charlie is still freaking out and begging because. Apparently the Wizard of Oz is now on the the ship. Um, so the the big head says, you know, hey, you know, we're saddened by the loss of the first ship. There's there's really nothing we could do about that. 
Uh, but we have returned all of your people to you, and everything is back how it was. So, hey, crew count four twenty eight, no iguana. Yeah, that's what they said. But that's what they said. But I didn't. I didn't actually see the other pe- uh, other people. Yeah, they didn't show it. They just just left it up to to saying. Yeah, he said everything. That's what he said. But I don't see. I didn't see the gym guy or uh, the yeoman li- lizard girl when he turned to a lizard. I didn't see them. So like he said, everything is as a return. I'm not sure. If it's everybody or not, that's my one of my questions. Well, everyone but the uh, the crew that uh, Charlie killed on the other ship. Yeah, he said that the, the they couldn't do anything about you know the other ship that got destroyed, but that all of Kirk's people have been returned to him, and that everything was set back to how it was. So I assume that you know the ladies not at Iguana, those other people got their faces back. You know that missing part of the 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 door or the wall yeah. is probably back. Okay. So at this point, uh, Charlie starts to apologize for everything, and he's just begging to to get to go with the Enterprise and not go with the creepy gas ship and big floaty head. And Kirk is kind of considering it, and he's like, yeah, you know, Charlie really belongs with his own kind, being humans. And he's like, you know, we could teach him not to use his power like this. And the, the Thacian head says that Charlie would use his power to destroy mankind, you know, or that they would be forced to destroy him to save themselves. And they're like you know, we'll, we'll take care of him. And then the head just kind of disappears. And at this point, Charlie just starts freaking the fuck out. Uh, he's like, well, you know, the, I can't touch them. You know, they don't know how to love. And they, he disappears from the enterprise and the green gas ship leaves presumably with, uh, Charlie. And that's, that's kind of the end of the episode there. Another thing about that little last scene when it says, uh, they can't feel and they can't love. I wonder, is that why he can't control emotions? Like since, since oh, that could be. Like since she has his powers for them or whatever, one of the since they don't understand emotions, they can't control. Oh, and also, I like when it, the last part when he says, uh, "I want to stay," it's like an echo, and it's like yeah. it sounds very uh, old school. It disappears. I don't know, like that. It sounds so. Um, uh, it's very good acting on that part. It sounds so uh, scared, like he just wanted to be be there. I, and I also, feel like the echo kind of went on too long, though. Oh, see, well, but the thing about the whole final scene is that Kurt still wanted to help him, even after everything, and uh, and he and the, the truth is, like in combination, the whole he just he was just upset kid, he was just a kid who's upset, emotional, had some issues, you know, he just needed some help, you know, he just he just but they got too they got there too late for him to be to help him, he was already off the rails, you know, you, you hear you see Janet crying, I'm not sure she's crying because the kid died or what she'd been through too right yeah who knows where the fuck she ended up <laughs> like did she yeah, just disappear or did she just like teleport to some hellhole yeah I, I was wondering if she was crying like because he died like she she could feel what he want like his emotions or like how what everything he'd been through or she was crying because like uh oh okay i've been through a lot i'm i've been through a lot like i'm just i'm so happy that it's over yeah she's like i was teleported to a room that looked just like mine but it didn't have my tablet and i couldn't play candy crush <laughs> oh no uh the one thing that i did notice about the the whole end scene was actually the uh the musical score was really good like they have uh, a really good soundtrack for that entire section Dude, this the movie the music in this whole show has been like interesting like the the the, the small cues when they make when small things happen to let you know what's going on uh even yeah sometimes i feel music. like they give too much away with that though I, I, but yeah. I, I think it, it. But the issue is, we grew up at a time now where 
we we our our shows we can do stuff like that. You know, we can we can follow that. But back then, I'm assuming that it seemed very uh, the idea of Star Trek was very out there. So it's like okay, then we got to give people music clues clues they can follow along. I'm not sure, but you know. Yeah, it's almost like they have to hold your hand while watching the show. I think that because like nowadays everything is faster paced, and back then everything was slower paced. So I think like they truly were worried about people not being able to understand what was going on, like truly, like not being able to understand the like that's how I think they over explain things to a point where we understand immediately, we get it. But I think back in the days where they don't understand everything, so they, so they explain everything so slow and they carry you along, give you music cues, show the, show the bad guy early, who the bad guy is so early, things like that, so you could follow along. Yeah. Um, final ep- or final thoughts on this episode, Dan? All right. So overall, I would say that I didn't really care for the episode. Uh, my big complaint, honestly, is at what point does Kirk say, hey, this kid is not a threat and we need to pretty much take him off the board? I know that's going to sound controversial because Star Trek's not a show like that, but if you're on a spaceship traveling the galaxy and you got a hostile enemy on the ship that's shown that he's willing to kill people, you should find a way to take him out. I, I, I know he's a kid, and I'm sure Kirk feels bad for him, but he, he can warp reality. He, he's god tier alien yeah yeah and that that brings me back to my my point with the weapons like yeah he got rid of all the phasers but you're telling me that there's not a knife on board or the guy with the giant pole earlier in the episode they couldn't cut a a pole into a spear and stab him yeah and, and i get your point it's kind of one of those things that's like you know if he's just doing this on this ship you know imagine if he gets loose on a, a majorly populated planet and it probably is best for like every living thing if Somebody with that kind of power does not exist. Well, and obviously, it has shown that Kirk cares about his crew. He knows how many people are are on board, and he probably knows all their names. Right. So, if you're seeing your pe- people on your ship killed, assumingly, and you're the captain, and you know you can't keep them contained in a a jail because he's like, I'm just gonna make it disappear because you don't know help's coming. Right. But I, I get the show's not about that. I'm just thinking, you know. Logically, if I was the captain on a ship and I, you know, it was my responsibility to take care of, you know, 428 people to make sure they get home and you got some dangerous psychopath on my, on my ship, I'm going to, you know, get rid of them. Yeah, right. Or 427 people and an iguana. Well, you know, the iguana, you're like, hey, I got a new pet. (laughs) Um, So personally... Despite, you know, the the fact that it was the whole mind power thing again, and, you know, we're only three episodes in, the pilot was a mind power thing, the salt creature had an, a hint of that in its ability to, um, I guess, hypnotize people. I did end up liking this episode overall. Uh, I, I think probably the reason for that would be, like, just the Charlie character for me started out as kind of this, you know innocent kid who had crash landed on a planet and didn't really know how to deal with people. And then, you know, he gets this infatuation with somebody and, and quickly learns that that's not going to work out and he loses his shit. But at, at the end of it, you know, at the end of that episode with him begging not to go with, you know, those people, the, the Thasians, uh, first of all, his acting, the, the guy that played him was really good, but in the character, he, I think he portrayed like a genuine, um, like he he just genuinely felt bad for 
everything that he had done. Like he had learned his lesson. He didn't mean for things to get so out of hand. He is just kind of a teenager who has really a lot dumped on his plate at that point. You know, it's really kind of his first time being around a situation like that. And I'll agree with you on that, actually. Yeah, so I think that really Charlie is the reason that I did enjoy the episode is because his, you know, heartfelt remorse for what happened and that there wasn't really like a, a, a true bad guy to the episode. It was just kind of, you know, kid being kid who happened to have God powers. Like, I don't know what I would have done at 17 with that kind of stuff. Probably a lot worse than turning somebody into an iguana. And then, you know, again, with Kirk not being a total dick and not wanting to just kill this kid, even though he probably should have, like, I think Dan's got a point, you know, it's kind of probably best for all of the universe if somebody like that doesn't exist, but hell, there are clearly several others out there. Yeah, apparently humans got screwed on the evolutionary tree. Yeah, you ain't kidding. But yeah, in the in the end, in the end, I really enjoyed the episode, despite not liking it in the beginning. Paul, how, what did you think about it? I'm kind of upset you gave your things first because I, I almost mirror you in every way, but, <laughs> but 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 one difference, I didn't like the episode that much at all, but I <laughs> oh. love the, but I love the actor who played Charlie, like I love the character of him. But my issue was I saw the last couple episodes before I started this episode, so I'm putting it to that standard, and and the character, the alien character, whatever with the powers, whatever, it's just annoying. But I mean, it was a great character. I just I I've seen it already. You know, it's like, you know, it's like seeing a sequel of a movie and there's no progression of the of the care of the protagonist of the character of the movie you're watching. Right. You know, like they have they, have, they haven't got smarter or better. Like it's the same thing over there. But I admit the the, the actor like I, I he wasn't that great of an actor until the last two. He lost his mind from the moment he started doing things reckless. I was like, oh, this guy actually can act. act. I really wish he would have started out reckless and then came better, like did the opposite way. Because then I would appreciate his acting more. Yeah, kind of give him like a redemption arc. Yeah, or a redemption arc. Yeah, I would appreciate his acting more because, because like, I, yeah, because I felt like I actually liked his, actually liked his acting. That was my biggest issue. Like, I felt like if it had started with him being reckless, thought, and then he got better, I was like, oh man, what a good arc and what a good actor. Because literally, I sat there and thought, what? Why is this? I said, thought, why is this the same episode it was last time? I feel like we're still in the same realm. Like I said, that's my only issue. But overall, I, I just, when he got to the end, he was acting and begging, whatever. I was like, man, he's really good at acting. Like, I thought all the, there were so many really good moments in this episode, but it wasn't good overall to me. Like, I was like, oh, like this moment right here, like this moment right here, like this moment, like moment. But overall, it wasn't that good. And I just, I'm hoping that they get more clever with their, their, I won't say bad guys, with their, with their, um, the challenge, the whatever challenge is, whatever the challenge is, because it might not be, it might be something like as big as a virus, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. Right. So, so whatever the challenge is for each episode, because they go, each episode you realize they go through, they have some cha- challenge they have to solve. Over the solve challenges, maybe they get more thoughtful, maybe they get more scientifically, maybe they get more some something. I just, I'm over these alien dudes that got these random powers. Paul, you want more female uh, oh. aliens, right? Get out of here! No, it's not about the female aliens. It's, well, it's just, we want more green, green women. Damn it! <laughs> it's it's more about the the whatever the challenge is. I want it to not be the same. I want it to be something different and thought out. And and that goes from a virus. Oh, we're crashing on the planet and it's going to explode soon. Or all these random ideas. Whatever. I think that should be able to change. That's what I'm hoping for. So, like I said, this episode, eh, you know, I sat through it. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't that great. There was some really good moments in it. 
the the my highlights of the episode obviously is Kurt being daddy, daddy Kurt. I'll call him for the episode, and then and then Charlie himself. The two the two were the highlights of the episodes. I said, like I said, it, it's good acting. It was just kind of a mint episode. So I'm hoping that we I don't know season progression. I don't know. I just well, yeah, we're we're early know. on in the in the season. I'm sure it it really takes off once we get farther in. Yeah, I hope so. Honestly, yeah, just just uh, just to challenge him. So I hope the challenges are something that's more. More, I don't know, just more. I'll, yeah, I'll so you, more. you gave the last one uh, a, a number out of ten rating. What would you give this one? A uh, man. So uh, <laughs> man, <laughs> I'll give I'll give I'll give it a I'll give the the overall about a five because I like I, I said through it it wasn't so bad I wanted to cut it off. I give the acting though the acting itself I give like a nine or a ten. It's just a it was just the the story and everything else and everything about it I just not good. So I, I you know it's about a five. And, you know, we also haven't gotten any new characters like we had Sulu the last time we, you know, we were introduced to pretty much everybody because it was kind of the first episode, but we didn't, oh, he, he we didn't even see Sulu again. Yeah, we didn't see oh him my, again. Dude, I didn't realize that. Yeah, we didn't get Sulu at all. That's oh, I didn't think about that. Yep. Um, so next week's episode is going to be season one, episode three, uh, where no man has gone before. And. It sounds like it should be the first episode of the series, but that's because it was supposed to have been. It was what they had filmed first. It was what was supposed to be released first, but it's not what actually aired first. Yep. So I'm, ex- I'm excited to watch it. I think we're going to get one of those things where we get kind of an introduction to every character, uh, which is going to be a little bit weird, but I think everything writes itself after this. Like we, we start getting what we were supposed to at the time. I'm, exci- um, I'm excited to I'm excited to see the beginning because I would like to see how they put uh, everybody's side of the friendships together, relationships together, how it was the beginning. I'm 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 excited. I'm excited for it. So that's pretty much going to be it for this one. Then uh, you guys can check us out on Twitter at wwst underscore podcast. Uh, if you're listening on Spotify, iTunes, or anything like that, we will also have this up on YouTube. So if you prefer to listen there, uh, you can just check us out on YouTube at We're Watching Star Trek. So that's going to be pretty much it for this time. And uh, we'll see everybody next time. Later. Later.